God, I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your word this morning. I want you that you caused it to be written. I pray that the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart is acceptable in your sight. My rock and my redeemer. Amen. Maureen, can we put the first slide up, please? I think it's our only slide. First John, chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, it says this. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So John is continuing to write this this letter to, to the church, to a church. And last week we unpacked this idea of what it means to love the church, to love the people in the church. Because remember, church is not just about a building. It's not about, uh, it's not about this room. We are the church. We make up the church. Each one of us is part of the church. If, we've met, if we met under a hut outside, we would still be a church. If we met in a grange hall that had mold in the ceiling and mushrooms growing out of the wall, we are still a church. Some of you remember that. And so it, we make up the church, but, but also the building over there, they're the church. And the people that are meeting this morning across town, they're the church. And, all, and, and, the, and, the, and actually the, the, the people that are meeting in other towns, they are the church. And the denominations that, that call themselves by a particular name, they are the church. And John wrote that we are called to love each other. And, and, he, and he said that when we love each other, we no longer walk in darkness. That when we love each other, we walk in the light, we no longer walk in darkness. But now we possess the light and the life of Christ. And that light and that life has transformed us from the inside. It's made us different on the inside. Amen, Stephanie. And, it, and it's transformed us on the inside. And so on the outside, we begin to see a difference in the way we live our lives. John would write that we love the brothers and the sisters because we are in fellowship with God. That we have this relationship with him, a healthy relationship. And now he's going to put the rubber to the road even, even a little bit more. But he starts in verse 15. So we're not quite there yet. But in verse 15, he's going to tell the church... Do not love the world or anything in the world or the love of the Father is not in you. Do not love the world or anything in the world or the love of the Father is not in you. That's a pretty big sweeping policy. I mean, that's a big deal. Don't love the world. Not in like, you know, I I don't, well, I don't recycle, but you could. But you know, like you don't care about littering. That's not what he's talking about. Just the things of this world. But he's not quite there yet. 
And so he takes kind of a break and he writes this. So we've gone through, we've gone through the idea of this desire to obey God. Is that, like the, is that like the ultimate desire that you have in your life and in your heart, that you would obey God? And then, then to love the brothers and the sisters. And then he throws this in there. Is this a rabbit trail? Is this just a loop? Has he kind of lost his mind? Did he, did he put the pad away and then come back to it and said, oh, let me remind them of something? See, it's important for us to understand this because all of Scripture is important. All of Scripture is important. Now, up until now, and even beyond this point in the, in the text, in, this, in, the, in the letter, John is going to be teaching us some really big principles, some very important things. He's going to be teaching us that there is a certain lifestyle that plays out in our lives when God has transformed us on the inside, when the power of the Holy Spirit has entered into our life, into our heart, has begun to change us, then certain things start to change on the outside. And over the last few weeks, I've, I've said this, that if you, are, if you are, have been changed by the Holy Spirit, and you are continually being changed by the Holy Spirit, that you're being sanctified, this is what life should look like. This is how that all plays out. That we would have the desire to follow God and obey Him. That we would love each other. Like, love each other, not just like tolerate each other, but love each other. And so, John kind of lays that stuff out, and then he gets to this. I'm writing to you, I'm writing to you, and 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 I'm writing to you. Children, young men, fathers. And we have to ask the question, why? And I believe we can start with this fact. John is a pastor. And he has a pastor's heart. He loves the church. He doesn't just want to teach theology. He doesn't want to teach just doctrine. He wants to help people live their lives to the fullest of what Christ has called them to be. That's, that's his heart. That's his, that's his desire. And so up until this point, he writes this because he's trying to communicate, I believe, a reminder. He wants to make sure he hasn't lost anyone. He wants to make sure we're still on the same page. Like, he's kind of like saying, okay, folks, listen, we've been hitting it really hard, and we're going to continue to do so. I'm going to continue to kind of lay these things out for you, but I want to make sure you still have the basics. I want to make sure you still understand the fundamental basics of what the gospel is about. I don't want to lose any of you. Basically, everything that he is writing, has written, and will write, all of the, all of the what it looks like in our lives is based upon these things. This is, this is our power. This is our strength. These truths. And he wants to make sure that people still understand them. I get a sense that he's, he's trying to bring a little bit of peace to the church, to the mind of the church. I mean, he's laid out some really hard things. Like, what, who of us can say that their ultimate desire in their lives is to obey God? I mean, that's all you live for. You're, you're always thinking that you are going to obey God everything that you do. Can anyone say that besides me? <laughs> Betsy can. She eats Oreos, marshmallow flavored. <laughs> Can anyone say that we've loved the brothers and the sisters fully like they, they deserve to be loved? See, we all fall short. And sometimes I think, even myself, I think when I, some days uh, after I preach, I wonder, I wonder if, if 
I've discouraged some people. I wonder if I've sent some people away kind of discouraged with, with a difficult teaching. I wonder if people have failed to understand what, what's in my heart. Have I communicated it well? I mean, these are things that, th- things that I think about. I, I never want to come across holier than thou because I'm not. But have I communicated that? Has somebody received that in some way? Something I said, was it, did it seem very unattainable? Have I discouraged you? Or discouraged someone? There's nothing more damaging in the life of a Jesus follower than to focus on behaviors that we're never going to fully get right. There's nothing more damaging to a Jesus follower than the focus on for me, for, for someone to hear that you better change the way you're living before God is going to love you, accept you, forgive you. It's trash. It's garbage. But I wonder if sometimes people receive things that way. I hope that I've been very, very clear with you that it's God by the power of the Holy Spirit that changes our hearts and then the rest just follows. So I have the sense that that might be what John is kind of sensing here. He wants to remind the church of a few things, of a few basics. He wants to, maybe he's thinking, let, let, me, let me comfort them in the truth of who they already are in Christ. If you do not know who you are in Christ, either, either talk to one of us, talk to one of the elders, talk to me. There's cards on the back that will tell you who you are in Christ. It is so important. To know that, your identity. And I believe what he's also saying here is that the things that I'm telling you, the things I'm sharing with you, they're not separate from the gospel. In fact, it's all based upon the gospel. And your faith in Christ and your faith in the gospel is what allows these things, these behaviors to manifest in your life. It's the work of Christ and Christ alone. He knows that you just can't you just, you just can't dump a lot of like rules and regs on people and expect them to follow them. It's, it's, we can't do it. Clean yourself up. Shape up. Ship out. Stop that. He knows that you, can, you can't just lay all of those things out that weight onto people without first having them know who they are in Christ. The Pharisees did the same thing. They were called out. You search for miles, make one convert, and then you just heap a bunch of junk on them and you don't help anyone and you make them twice the sons of hell you are. And so here I, I see this as John's desire as a pastor to comfort people who, who might feel a little uncomfortable who might be condemning themselves. Maybe he wants to encourage people who are discouraged and say, man, I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to get this right. I'm never going to reach that place. But he says, it's not about you. It's about these things. 
But I think in this, he also takes away any excuse that we might try to come up with to live outside of the rhythms that Jesus Christ has called us to. He takes away the excuse because if we are surrendering our lives to Christ and we continue to surrender and we're continue to being to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, life takes on a different focus. Life takes on a different priority. And we begin to live in a different way, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit that's within us. Now, if you've been feeling in these past few weeks, uh, like, man, this is, this is impossible for me to live out. I, you mean, love the church? Does, does this guy know who's in our church? Does this guy know the people that attend that other church over there? I mean, really love the church? Okay, my ultimate desire is to, like, I want to obey God and everything. Really? And sometimes it can be very, very discouraging. And if you're struggling with that mindset, which, let me tell you, many, many of us do. And if you're struggling with that, the way John would answer is you is that you fail to fully understand the basics. You fail to understand the truth of who you are in Christ. And so he is going to write this in the middle of this letter. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on the count of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, why? Because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. If you don't get a hold of the becauses, you will never live in the victory that Christ calls us to live to. If you don't get a hold of that idea, of that truth, you will never be able to follow his commands. You will never be able to love the brothers and the sisters. You will never be able to hate the things of this world. These are the truths that we need to engage. We need to understand. We need to be certain of. These things are crawling before we walk. Now, we're not going to enter the debate this morning of of who actually he's writing to. Who are the children? Who are the fathers? Who are the young men? There's been a lot written on it, and there's a lot of uh, debate on, is it specific people? Is it people in general? Where I fall is, for our teaching this morning, is that these, these designations, children, fathers, and young men, they are points in time in our spiritual walk. They are points in time as we follow Christ. We come into this thing as children in the faith. And then we move on to young men and women in the faith. And then we mature into fathers and mothers of the faith. And so these important truths are for all of us. They're not just for the children. They're not just for the young. They're not just for the old. They're for all of us. We are all going to pass through these phases in our spiritual journey. See, certain postures are more prominent in different parts of our journey. And so we need to engage these things on an interior level, on a heart level. They're important for us. I'm going to keep reminding you of this over and over again. As a church, we have no business to put our moralities or ethics on people who do not share our faith. Because they cannot live them. You see, you can't have a person who does not follow Jesus following in the ways of Jesus. It doesn't work. Maybe I could say it this way. A non-Christian 
cannot act like a Christian because they lack the power of the Holy Spirit. And so John takes away the excuse for us because he is, um, he is believing that we possess the Holy Spirit. And he thinks these things are so very important, so fundamental, because these are the truths of our transformation. This is where we receive the power, this, these truths. This is where we walk in that authority. He repeats himself. See, any wise teacher, any smart teacher repeats themselves. Any smart teacher repeats themselves. <laughs> And so in order to live as Christ, he lays out this first truth. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. A Christian is not a person who is seeking forgiveness. A Christian is not a person who is hoping to be forgiven. A Christian is not a person that's trying to behave in such a way where they, they can be forgiven. A Christian is a person who knows that their sins have already been forgiven. And as a pastor, one of the things that saddens me most as I meet with people is they wrestle with that truth. They don't understand that they have been forgiven. They're uncertain. They're still hoping that God can forgive them. Let me tell you this. If you profess Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me, eyes up here, you are forgiven. That is a truth. And it's not because of you, it's in spite of you. It's on the account of his name. It's because of Jesus. You're going to hear me say this until the Lord calls me home. Our salvation has never been about us. It's always been about him. It's always been about Christ. It's always been about the work that Christ has done on the cross. You can never behave yourself into a place of God forgiving you. Your forgiveness is never, ever Based upon your behavior, how good you can be. Now, I guess we can say that maybe, that, that maybe our forgiveness is, has to do with the love of God for us. But that's not the whole picture. That's not the entire scene. Because what's, what's central to this forgiveness thing is Christ and Christ alone. And his work on the cross, not our work. That is why we're forgiven. And John even wrote earlier on that he said that, that Jesus is our advocate. He stands in front of the Father and advocates for us. So when the accuser goes to God and says, hey, did you see, uh, did you see that? Did you see, uh, you're going to let that fly? Jesus says, no, no, Dad, I got, I got that. I got that too. I've, I've covered that. No, see, see these, I, I have covered their sin. And the accuser has nothing on us. Nothing on us. Now, I might offend someone here this morning. Uh, but you know that I really, yeah, it never stopped me before. So, um, to, to be uncertain of your forgiveness is a sin. Oh. <gasps> To be uncertain of your forgiveness is a sin. To be all like, you know, well, I hope I'm forgiven. 
you know, I'm, 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 I'm working toward forgiveness. I hope, I hope one day that I'm going to get there, but I'm not quite there yet. I mean, you don't know my past. You don't, you know, the things I've done and, and I'm really praying that, that God can forgive me. You know what that is? That's just a false humility. And you know what false humility is? It's pride. And so false humility is pride. And, and, and guess what got, guess what got Satan kicked out of heaven? It was pride. See, to not believe in your forgiveness is a sin because you put yourself first. (laughs) To think that you're so special, that your sin is bigger than the work of Christ on the cross, it's kind of laughable. It's laughable. And if you still think that way, you're relying on yourself, which means that you've put yourself as your own God. Let me tell you something. We make terrible messiahs. Terrible messiahs. In fact, we call a psychological condition the messiah complex. People go to counseling for that. Just throwing it out there. You cannot undo what you've already done. But you can believe in what Christ has already done on the cross. And then he continues on, right? What's he say? Where am I going? Okay. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then at the end, he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you. You have overcome the evil one. Now, remember, we're talking about points in time in our spiritual journey. So he's talking about, he's talking about the children. And now he's going into people who, who are maybe just younger in the faith. And what he says is, you're not getting ready to overcome. You're not preparing to overcome. Man, you've, you, 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 you already have over, because you have overcome the evil one. You know, there is an immediate victory when you come to know Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's instantaneous. It's a victory that we, that we possess, not in our own strength, but because he is victorious. And, and it's ours. And yes, it's not perfect and it's not complete and it's not done yet, but there is victory. We no longer live in the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of sin, but we walk in the lights. And yes, we're not finished dealing with sin. It's always going to be that thorn in our side. It's always going to be, the, be that thing that we wrestle with, but we are no longer under its control and we are no longer under its consequence because what does scripture tell us? That the wages of sin is death and we have moved from that place to eternal life in Christ. We understand that the enemy has been defeated. We have overcome the evil one despite our own weakness. And then he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. Because you are strong. We are not strong in our own strength. We are strong. We have been made strong. We have received this life. We've had this IV transfusion of Holy Spirit juice. And it just makes us rise up above our circumstances and our situations. And we can walk in the strength of the Lord. And we can be more than conquerors. We can overcome the things that come at us in this life. We are strong in the Lord. Because you are strong, not that you're hoping to be strong, not that you want to be strong, not that someday you're going to get strong. You already are. Young men, young women, because you are strong, I write to you because you are 
strong. You know, there's absolutely no sense in John writing these, these, these things, you know, hey, you should be obeying God, and hey, you should be loving the church, and hey, don't love the world. There's absolutely no sense in him telling us to do those things unless we have been empowered to do so. And we have been. We have been empowered to do so. And then he says the word of God. The word of God lives in you. The word of God. Let me, I have, I have this verse here. I want to read this verse out of First Peter for you. I didn't put it up, but I think First Peter is in the New Testament. Don't laugh at me. We got John and Pete up oh, first Pete twenty three. First Peter twenty verse chapter one verse twenty three. This is what it says. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring enduring word of God. You have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. God, the word of God that lives in us reminds us of who we are. It reminds us of who God is. It shows us the ugliness of sin in the world and how it affects the world and how it destroys people's lives. And this word that lives in us, we, we see this ugliness for what it is and we grow in our, in, in our, in our hatred for it. We grow in the hatred of sin we don't want it, and we don't just take it easily. We have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. And then he'll write to the fathers. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. He's speaking of Jesus here. Remember in the beginning of his letter, he said, in the beginning, uh, uh, that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus. And they saw him and they touched him and they, they spoke with him and they put their hands on him. And, and, and see, we, we all need to have this knowledge of who God is. Not that he's just some big, powerful force to be reckoned with. Not, not that he's someone just waiting up there with a long white beard and just a snarl on his nose waiting to thump you when you step out of line. That, that's, not, that's not who God is. Yes, he's the powerful force, but that's not just who he is. But God as father, God as dad, Abba, father, daddy, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who he sent because he loves us. And we're to know Jesus. We're to know him, his work, his life. We're to know that he came as a bearer of our sin. And he, we came that he was a sacrifice for our sin. We're to know him as the high priest and the king, to know that he walks with us through every need, through every brokenness, through every hardship, even through the temptations. Christ walks with us. To know God is to know Jesus. To know Jesus is to know him who is from the beginning. Children, know that your sins are forgiven. You young men and women in the faith know that you've been made strong. You've been made strong, and the word of God lives in you. Mothers and fathers of the faith, because you've known him who is from the beginning. You know, as a, as a young believer, we walk in this kind of vulnerability. I don't know if you, some of you can remember that far back. Um, 
Remember when your Bible still had that new Bible smell? Like, like you oh, like you've, like Leviticus. You didn't even know where that was, but always, but it smelled really fresh for like a year because nobody ever reads Leviticus like when they're new, right? And 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 so on, on that part of our journey, I, I believe that the thing that we want to know the most is that that we've been forgiven. We want to know that, 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 that all of the mess that we've made in our lives is forgiven. We have the sense of wanting to crawl up into our Father's arms and, and just, just hear the words or feel that sense that everything is going to be all right. That you have been forgiven. You know, the beauty and the grace of God is that as children of the faith, he gives us Everything that we need. It is such a beautiful gift. But then things begin to change for us. We begin to grow. We begin to mature. I remember very early on in my ministry, uh, I I could, sermons, teachings, they they would come very easy in the beginning. Like, it seemed like I had just, I I was reading a lot of books and and I was studying a lot and and ideas and verses, they would all just kind of flow together. And and maybe I just had way too much to say back then, I don't know. But they they seemed to come very easy. And now, now I've, I've been doing this thing 10 years this month, preaching out of the same book to some of the same people. And I must say that I have to work a little bit harder have to, I have to work a little bit harder on preparing. Now, now let, me, let me explain to you what I mean. I have to engage the scripture a little bit deeper. I have to spend more time sitting before the Lord in that quiet meditation to hear what he's telling me or what he's not telling me. I have to spend much more time in prayer. I don't even think I prayed my first year as a pastor. But if I didn't need to, I was Superman. things have changed and I, and, I, and I think that our Christian life is the same thing I mean remember remember when you first came to Christ how easy it was and there, there was this uh, there was this excitement in you like all the time and you were that person who carried around your Bible everywhere it was like your spiritual binky you just never went anywhere you never opened it or read it anywhere but you always had it it was just like with you all the time but then then things start to happen and, and life starts to come at you and then one morning you woke up and, and you looked at your Bible and there was like an inch of dust on it and you're like how did that happen as we go through our journey as we become young men and women in the faith, we realize that there is a battle raging for our very heart and soul. The enemy is ticked that you have gone to the other side. You have gone to the light. And that battle rages and there's attacks and there's conflicts and there's difficulties and the most subtle of distractions that will keep you from the things of the Lord. But you have been made strong and you have overcome the evil one because of Christ in your life. And so you fight those battles with youthful vigor. At least I hope you have. And then as we move on, and we get a little bit older in our faith, we become that father or that mother in the faith. 
we realize that things just don't come automatically. And you don't really, you don't, you don't have the desire anymore to be in combat. You, you kind of you desire just to move beyond those things. And, and yes, we're still in the fight, but we don't fight like we used to. We fight more of, from a quiet place of surrender. We no longer are interested in the gifts. But what we really want is the giver. We desire the giver himself more than anything else this life can offer. You know, as children, we love the gift. As a young person, we like the fight. We like the energy. But as we grow old, man, we see things just a little bit differently. Things calm down a little bit. And we desire to see and experience and hear the Lord every single day. We desire the giver and not the gift. And so John writes, I'm writing to you, dear children, because, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name, in the name of Jesus. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. In order for us to live in victory of Christ, these are our basics. Forgiveness to know him, strength in the word of God. These are the truths that will empower us to live as Christ calls us to live. And so as we celebrate the table this morning, I want you to take some time and just, maybe for you, you're wrestling with this idea of forgiveness. You are forgiven. Maybe for you, you feel weak. Well, that's good. Don't rely on your own strength. Rely on the Lord. You've been made strong in the Lord. Maybe for you, some of you seasoned folk, you just need to come back to that place of knowing Christ. And so take some time. Come to the table when you're ready. And we'll take communion together at the end. Father, thank you that we stand before you as your children no matter how long we've been at this. Because of Jesus, we stand here forgiven. Because of Jesus, we've been made strong. Because of Jesus, we've overcome the evil one. Because of Jesus, we know the word that lives within us. And my prayer, Father, is that we would know you more and more every day. Now may the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all as we enter outside into a very beautiful day. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.